All right. So I am pumped for us to get started on our new series for the summer. Um, it is called Go. And if, hopefully you all got one of these on the way in. If you didn't, make sure you get one before you leave. So what we're going to do as a church, wow. What we're going to do as a church is we're going to read together the book of Acts. Is that better? Okay. And um, so this is our reading plan for the summer. So I, I sent an email out this week. Hopefully you got it and you have already read Acts chapter 1, which is leading into today's message. If not, no big deal. Um, but every week what you do, if you, if you would just read the chapters that are marked there through the week, and that'll have you thinking about and praying about what we're going to be talking about the next Sunday, okay? So I'll be teaching on the chapters you've read each Sunday. Um, obviously, we're not going to do, like, I know some churches would go like a verse-by-verse teaching. Um, that would take us a year or so, so we're not going to do that with the book of Acts. But we are going to kind of go theme by theme. So we're going to pick out, like, I think it's seven themes throughout the next seven weeks and talk about them as pertains to our lives personally, and, um, but also it'll be like a, a church study together. I think summer's a really good time to do stuff like this. It'll keep you connected. Even when you're on vacation, you can still read the Bible, right? Okay? So make sure you grab one of these, put it on your fridge, put it in your Bible. If you're like me and you still like to read an actual, you know, physical Bible, put it somewhere where you remember it. So we're calling this Go because it, Matthew tells us at the end of his book, so if you're unfamiliar with the Bible, you know, the New Testament, the part of the Bible written after Jesus, starts with four accounts of his life, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then the next book is Acts, and that's what we're going to be talking about. And Jesus, Matthew tells us, said this, kind of a, one of his final things he said to the disciples. This is after he died and rose again. He's giving his kind of last speech to them. He's been with them for a couple months, and now he's going to ascend into heaven. And Jesus said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore go. And I think it's, this verse has always been really, um, has always been really important for me. It's, it just feels very significant. And I know that's not just me. It's like all Christians. This has literally been called the great commission. Therefore go. It's not stay. It's not, hey, stay here, hide, wait, wait for the time when I'll come back. He says, go and make disciples of all nations. He sends them on a mission to reach people with the message of Jesus, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you to the very end of the age. Does anybody hear that loud, low noise? Is it the AC? All right, I can handle that. I've literally never heard the AC kick on like that in this building before. It's weird. So this is why we're saying Go. We're saying, this is Jesus saying, listen, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, therefore, and I want us to just really think about that and really meditate on that, and we're going to study it. It's going to become annoying how often you're going to hear this two-letter word over the next month and a half, but I want you to really feel that this is not like a part of what Christians are supposed to do, right? Like, baseball is the only sport happening right now, and so we'll talk about baseball, and a baseball team... What does does a baseball team do? Not a trick question. What do they do? They play baseball. No one wonders what a baseball team does, right? They play baseball. Now, professional baseball teams have other things going on, don't they? They have training staff. They have marketing. They have stadium care. They have all these other things, right? All these other pieces that make up the full franchise of the baseball team. But no one sits around thinking that baseball teams are all about selling 
hot dogs. Like, that's their main purpose. Or baseball teams are all about the socks. Like, that's the purpose. Like, oh, I want to wear the best socks. And, or I want to have the coolest uniform. Or it's really about, you know, how many people we can entertain. Or It's none of that. It's playing baseball. It's winning. It's the sport. Everyone knows. It. And so I would argue that there's a lot of things that go into being a Christian and being a church. There's a lot of things, and they're all good, and they're all part, and they fit together. But I feel, and, and this is kind of part of who City Light is, okay? So you could disagree with this. But we as a church, big C, worldwide, across time, exist to go. We don't exist just to take care of ourselves. That's part of it. We don't exist just to study the Bible. That's part of it. We don't exist so that we have a good moral standard. That's part of it. There's all these good things that are part of it. But if any of those good things become the top priority, we lose the top priority. You can only have one top priority. And this is the first, the foremost, the number one is the mission of the gospel. We are called to go. And we could argue about that. Some of you might disagree with that. And I would love to argue with not right now. Okay. But that's really the, the heartbeat of City Light. Okay. We, we named the church City Light you know, because Jesus said, you are a city set on a hill. You are the light of the world. A city should not be hidden. A light should not be hidden. The whole point of a city on a hill is you could see it. There were other kinds of cities that weren't on hills. You couldn't find those cities. No one lived there. Just kidding. You probably could find them, but they weren't as easy to find, right? Lights are meant to light the world. Cities are meant to be on hills. We are meant to be on mission. You could maybe make a correlation between the downhill trajectory of some things about the church in America and our loss of a sense of mission in the earth, that it became about religion or morality or politics or buildings or getting butts in seats or money. And we lost the sense of mission. Oh, man, I need to actually move through my slides. I could just talk about that all day. That's why I want to do this series. When you read the book of Acts, so there's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Let's get into it. Acts is the next one, the fifth book of the New Testament written by Luke. Luke was a doctor. We get introduced to Luke in his first book called, everybody with me? Luke. That's good. Good job, guys. It's the beginning of Luke. He says, many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to uh, to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things you've been taught. So Luke, this is around AD 60, okay? So within three decades of Jesus dying and raising from the dead and ascending into heaven, Luke is like, we've all been told all these things. Many of us have been working to write it down for generations to come. I decided I would do that too. That's where Luke came from. And Luke and Acts are really seen by scholars as a part one and part two kind of of the same work. Or volume one, volume two. So in Acts, he says this, in my former book, Theophilus. See? Just a continuation. I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the days he was taken up into heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. And after his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. 
He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. To read about that stuff, read the last couple chapters of Matthew and Mark and Luke and John. You'll read about all that he's talking about there. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And they gathered around him and asked, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? So he says to them, after I ascend into heaven, wait in Jerusalem to be empowered before you go on your mission. That's really what's happening here. And they are thinking the mission is to restore the kingdom of Israel. It's hard to believe that they still haven't quite, like from our perspective, they still haven't quite understood this. Like, this is how they were raised. They were raised with an expectation that the Messiah would come and restore Israel in a political, military sense. That Israel would again have a king who would bring, you know, would dominate and lift Israel up and bring other kingdoms in submission. They'd no longer be subjugated to the authority of Rome. They were still thinking, hey, maybe Jesus, now that he's died and rose again, he's even better. Like, maybe now he's going to restore the kingdom. And so, yes, Jesus did come to restore the kingdom. But it's not the kingdom of Israel, it's the kingdom of God. And it's not a political, physical kingdom, it's a spiritual kingdom. It's not a temporal kingdom, it's an eternal kingdom. So he answers the question, but not in the way they would think. He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. But, back to what I was saying, so funny how he's like, kind of, okay, stay focused guys. You will receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so, listen, there's stuff baked into this that's going on. He's, he's, they're witnessing to what? They're witnessing to what they've seen, all that they've seen about Jesus. They're witnessing to the kingdom of God, the new king, Jesus. They're, they're witnessing to the good news, what we now call the gospel. In that context and in that culture, when a new king would be set into power, people thought that was good news. Because even if you had a bad king, it was better than chaos. Okay? So when a new king was set in, they would send heralds out because they didn't have the internet, right? Or newspapers. So they'd send heralds out, not heralds with an O, but heralds with an A. Okay? I mean, maybe there were some heralds named Harold, which would be really funny. I'm Harold the Herald. But anyway, heralds would go out all through the, some of you got that. And some of you are like, why does he keep saying heralds? Um, would go out into all the countrysides and all the cities, and, you know, and they would say, proclaiming that there's a new king. They'd be proclaiming, and they called it the same word, gospel. They'd be going out giving this good news, a message of good news. This is what he's saying. Are you going to restore the kingdom? And he's basically like, yes, I'm doing that, and you're going to go tell people about it. Just like we go out as a herald to, there's no way to pronounce it differently, herald, herald, to tell people about a new physical king, you're going to go out and be my heralds to a new spiritual king, a king who's defeated death and sickness and Satan and is going to bring eternal life in the kingdom of heaven on earth as it is in heaven, okay? And he tells them, go first to your immediate surroundings, then you'll go a little bit further, then you'll go a little bit further. And that's actually how the book of Acts breaks down. So you'll see that the first five well, two to seven, from two to seven, they're in Jerusalem, and they're doing work in Jerusalem. There's amazing stuff that happens. It's so much fun to read. And then it starts to go out to Judea and Samaria, and then it goes to the ends of the earth. And we see that by the power of the Holy Spirit and the message of King Jesus, lives are changed, 
Jewish lives and Gentile lives, male and female lives, rich and poor, masters and slaves, people who are indigenous and people from other countries and other cultures. Literally, even in this, you see it goes across racial lines. It goes across economic lines. It's just, it starts to just take over. You can't stop it. They try. They try to stop it. People have called this book the book of the, um, the Acts of the Apostles, but some of the scholars that I was reading this week are talking about, well, actually, maybe it should be called the Acts of Jesus and the Spirit, because this is actually a continuation of King Jesus, and we are heralds of that. So we step into this line. We step into this line where we are on a mission, Okay. Now, you start to hear this, me talking about going, you start to think about words like evangelism, you start to think about, I got to share my faith, you start to think about witnessing and testimony, and you maybe start to conjure up some negative feelings or negative emotions. You've seen evangelism done poorly, you've seen people be manipulative, you've seen it sound like an Amway salesmanship, sorry if you work for Amway, you know, anything like that, you, you, and you start to get like cringy, like we don't do that anymore, I don't want to do that, I don't want to put people off, who am I to tell people what? to believe. And so I want to just real quick tell you two stories from my life to make make a comparison to what we think of and what it really is. So number one, when I was, my first job I ever had official like job working for someone else was a telemarketer for MBNA. MBNA I don't think exists anymore, but I worked for MBNA and I worked like the night shift, 8.30 to 11.30 at night. And I would just sit there. You put one of these things on and you don't have any control over your life anymore. The computer takes over and it just starts calling random people during dinner. It's always, it's like searches somehow the world for the most inconvenient time to call people. And also it has this spiritual sense to know when people are already in a bad mood. And it's like, bing, there, you're going to call them. And you're like, hey, I want to give you something you don't want and, and want to interrupt your family time. And, I'm, and I've also been trained to keep you on the phone like a crisis negotiator, right? Like I'm, a, I'm like a negotiation guy, like keep him on the phone. We got to track where he lives. You know, like that's me. They're like, no, thank you. I'm like, wait, you might say no, thank you, but what you really mean is yes, please, right? All right, you might say you have four credit cards, but you know what you mean is you want one more. Did you know that our interest rate is basically the same as all the other cards? But listen, for the first five months, we'll say it's different. You know, like, I mean, yeah, they would come up on the screen and I just felt like a tool. That's at least what I felt like, okay? But I did it. And I think that's what we think of. When I start talking about the book of Acts and the gospel spreading and you get to do it too, you're like, oh, crap. Maybe we can skip church for the next two months. This is the only part of Christianity. Like, tell me about how Jesus loves me. He forgives my sins. He's really nice. He loves all people. Blah, blah, blah. Right? But start making me talk to people about it. Come on. Right? Like, maybe if they come to me and beg me to tell me, tell them what I believe. But, like, otherwise, no thanks. I don't want to be knocking on people's doors. I don't, you know, right? Like, we start to think about how Jehovah's Witnesses do it, or, right? Like, or, or that's, and that's not like what we're talking about. All right, I just recently had a different job, very different. So I, I went to a, our, the Vineyards National Leadership Conference a couple months ago, and I'm on one of the teams, and so they asked me to be an ambassador. And what that meant was we've just, as a movement, gone through a massive reorganization from the top down. It reorganized the whole national leadership team, really good stuff, and set in a new national director. And so they're like coming up with a new playbook, kind of these top three priorities of where we're headed as a movement. And they wanted some people to infiltrate 
and just be in conversation on purpose. So I'm already going to be hanging out with people. I'm going to be having breakfast and lunch and dinner with these people, sitting around having conversations. They just want me to have purposeful conversations and ask what people think. That was it. I wasn't supposed to sell them on anything. I was supposed to get opinions and feed it back to the team and also answer any questions or any confusion that I might encounter where people are like, so does this mean that, you know, all pastors are going to have to do X, Y, and Z? And I can be like, oh, actually, no. Like, it actually just means this, right? Okay. I'm not saying that's exactly like what we're talking about, but that's closer to what we're talking about than being a telemarketer. I was, I was an ambassador the whole time I was there. See, like the telemarketer or the whole evangelism sales pitch type thing, it's temporal. It's like, well, I'm going to go do this evangelism and then I'm going to be off the clock as a Christian. And what it is, is totally different. Like when you sign up for this whole thing called Christianity, when you, when you join Jesus' team, you're on the team. You don't get to jump off sometimes and jump back on. You are always on the team, whether you're at home or at work or whether you have lots of time on your hands or no time on your hands, whether you have lots of money at the time or you're really strapped for cash, you're always on the team. Whether it's inconvenient to talk to that person or pray for that person or serve that person or it's very convenient, it doesn't matter. When I was at this conference, I was on 24-7, and I was always thinking about something else, <laughs> more so than normal, okay? <laughs> like food. No, I was always thinking about this, I need, I need to be like, how can, I, how can I ask, you know, let me listen for cues, let me listen for opportunities, ooh, there's an open door, maybe I can talk to that person about this, I can ask that question. And that's what it, I think, more like what it means to be on mission as Christians, I'm in this conversation. Is there going to be an open door? Let me think. Let me watch. Let me see. No? Okay. Not going to force it. You know? Some of us are like, no open door? Let me tell you about Jesus. Right? Like, hands in the air. You know? That's not what we're supposed to do. Right? Okay. Let's talk some more about this. See, here's here's the tagline for today. We're on a mission, not a sales call. Now, listen, if you're in sales, I love you. You've got a gift I don't have. Right? I've I've tried sales twice in my life, and it's just tough for me. You will receive power when, you, when the Holy Spirit comes on. You will be my witnesses. You will go testifying, talking about, showing. It's like show and tell. It's basically what our lives are supposed to be, okay? This is what we're getting back to. Just because the methods have been wrong at times doesn't mean the mission's over, guys. Just because you've seen people do it poorly doesn't mean you and I get a pass. If anything... If you've seen it done poorly, let it motivate you to do it better. Because the mission's not going away. Unless you think, let, let me, let's just check in real quick. The world is great right now. Anybody on that boat? Do you think people have it together? Really? Then you are off the team. Okay. You get a pass, Joe. That's all you had to do. Look around the world. Are there hurting people? Do you know anyone who's going through a hard time, anyone who's broken? Do you know anyone who's addicted? Do you know anyone who's sad? Do you know anyone who's struggling with shame? Anyone who's lonely? And the list could go on and on and on. That's the gospel. The gospel is for the people who are lost, the people who are hurting, the people who are broken, the people who are lonely, the people who are addicted. And our job as the carriers of the gospel is to bring that into those communities, into those people, uh, into those families. And so the mission's not over. And if you think like, if you think it is, maybe what you're thinking you're supposed to be selling is the wrong thing. Right? We're not selling a get out of jail free card. 
That's not the thing, you know? Like the Kirk Cameron videos where, he, where you know, they come up and he's like, have you ever, have you ever lie, told a lie? Yeah, well, you know what the Bible says about liars? Liars going to hell. Do you know how to get out of hell? Like, whoa. Call just trying to get some ice cream, right? Like, that's not what we're trying to do here. We're trying to live our lives in a way that shows and tells the gospel message, okay? See, here's the thing. The kingdom message is one of good news. Who doesn't need hope today? Look at your neighbor right now. Look, look, like, I mean, not, they're, they're not here, but think about your neighbor or your, your coworker or your friend. Like, do you have a friend who might need some hope? Do you have a family member who might need some love? Do you have anyone you know who might need some healing? The kingdom message is the message of good news. Now, if you're just unfamiliar with the kingdom word, what we're talking about is Jesus if he were in charge. That's really what we're talking about, like the rule and reign of Jesus. And all through the New Testament, Jesus talks about how the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven has come upon you. He would heal people. He would say the kingdom of heaven has come upon you. He would forgive people, right? And it's, it's the kingdom in heaven on earth as it is in heaven, what he told us to pray. So it's the breaking of addiction. It's the bringing of freedom. It's the doing of justice. It's the bringing of healing, of reconciliation. And so we carry that message that all people need to hear. And if we're believers, we believe that even if they don't believe they need it, they need it. And we come with that message, not to kick down the door and interrupt their dinner and sell them on it, but to be a light the way we live our lives. Let's read another passage that I think is really helpful. Not that one, not this. Nope, nope, here we go. Boom. 2 Corinthians 5 says this, for Christ's love compels us. And that's one of the key parts of this verse we're gonna read. I want you to hear that. It's not um, guilt, it's not obligation, right? It's not, well, we're Christians, we have to tell people about Jesus, right? Christ's love. It's not I'm going out to convince people necessarily, although convincing can be part of it. It's not I'm going out to judge people who have got their lives in a mess. No, it's love. Love compels us, okay? Love compels us because we are convinced, are you? That one died for all and therefore all died. So we're convinced that Jesus came. So his love compels us. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him. So we're, God's love compels us because we're convinced Jesus did this and therefore my life is not my own anymore. I've joined the team. I'm on call. I'm an ambassador. I'm on a mission. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. The lady behind the counter is not just a lady behind the counter. She's someone created in the image of God. She's a child of God who might be estranged from her father Heavenly Father, and I carry with me the message of reconciliation. I go to the same barber, me, Christian, on a regular basis, not because, I mean, they do a good job, but that's not really why. I sit in the same seat so I can have repeat. They think I'm their repeat customer. They're my repeat customer. I'm talking to them through their lives. I'm talking to them about their kids. I'm talking about their spiritual experiences. I'm asking real questions. I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm going to be a light. Paul says in Romans, oh my gosh, why are my slides? This is me and my fault, sorry. Okay, I am not ashamed of the good news. Some people love to weaponize that verse and be like, I am not ashamed of the moral code. 
I will beat you with it. Okay, come on. Like, back off, right? Like, I get it. We have a moral code, and that's good. But that's not what he's saying here, right? He's not ashamed of the good news, which is you're a sinner. Jesus died for you. You have a free gift of salvation. All you have to do is receive it. You actually don't have to adopt the moral code to get the salvation. I mean, you'll get there. We want you to, right? You hear what I'm saying? But we like to put the cart before the horse. Don't do that, okay? For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. We're introducing people to the power that changed our lives, and we're like, this is good news. How many of you are glad that your sins are forgiven? How many of you are glad that your shame has been washed away? How many of you are glad that you have a purpose in life, that you can talk to your heavenly Father, that you have a community to be part of? Why would we not want this? This is the power of God for all people. So God's love compels us. We don't look at people through a worldly view. We used to look at Christ. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. What did he say? He said, go and make disciples. He said, wait until you're empowered by the Spirit and then go be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. Take the ministry of reconciliation. What is the ministry of reconciliation? That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. That's good news. We are the heralds of good news where we go into our workplaces, into our Walmarts, into our soccer teams. We are the heralds of good news everywhere we go. We are on a mission. We are not a part of a church because we come once a week and sit here for an hour and a half. We are not just Christians because we adhere to a certain worldview. Those are all parts of it. But like the baseball team analogy, we are first and foremost, we joined a movement. Guys, I want to tell you, some people in this room, this is like the first time you've heard this. If you've come from other churches, and I'm not slamming other churches, but some churches have lost this. But this is what it always was. Like, that's what I'm trying to get across. Read Acts. It's like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and then it's Acts, because that's what we're supposed to look like. We're supposed to be this movement of people so passionately in love with Jesus, loving God and loving others as ourselves, that we're contagious, not repulsive. That we're contagious to the culture around us bringing the minister of reconciliation. He committed to this to us. We are there for Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. I often picture like God is behind me when I'm talking to whoever it is and he's making this appeal through me like, come on, come back to Jesus. Come back to the Father. Come back home. Everyone you know that doesn't know Jesus is spiritually homeless. And Jesus is beckoning through your life, through how you talk to your kids and how you live your life and how you open your home and how you spend your money and blah, 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 all that stuff. And also what you do proactively, when you pray for them, when you encourage them, when you offer them counsel. We implore you on Christ's behalf. Can you hear that passion? Be reconciled. I wonder if we carry that same passion. Christ's love is compelling. It's not condemnation. It's not judgment. It's not fear. It's not obligation. It's love. Love is compelling reason 
And salvation is the message we bring. That sounds like good news. Who couldn't do that? Right? Have you ever delivered good news to anybody? It's actually fun. You know? I had kids try out for a soccer team that I'm coaching. And I got to tell them that they made the team. Like, it's good news. I wasn't like, oh man, here I go. I have to do this stupid part of my job, right? Like, that's great news. What if you had like that, does anybody remember Ed McMahon? He'd go to the house and get, bring the check, the publisher's clearinghouse checks. Best job in the world. You know, you just show up like, hey, knock, knock. Guess who? You get $10,000. You never think he woke up and was like, I hate my job, right? Like, how great would that be? You are messengers of good news because you've experienced it. And this can happen so naturally, right? We're on a mission, not a sales call. We come to show and to tell God's message. I was in a conversation with a friend of mine who's not a believer. We were having lunch together. And he was saying something like, I look at your life. So he's talking to me. He's like, I look at your life and I look at, he's also a friend of another person in our church. And I look at their life and, and I, and I want to like bottle up the goodness like, you're some of the best people I know. And he's like, I would like to be able to teach my kids those things so that they can become people like that. And he's like, you know, and so I love to ask people, like, what was it that in your childhood or your upbringing, like, what was it that got you to be who you are today? And I said, you, you know, I can't answer this question without talking about God. Like, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to, like, preach at you. He's like, I, I know, I know. I was like, but, like, I, I am who I am because of like, Jesus has changed me. Like, this is, if you're going to ask that question, this, you're going to get this answer. Like, I don't, I don't get here without him. He's changed my life. He's inspired me. He's given me hope. He's made, given me purpose. He's given me a new future. You know? I'll just leave it at that. Right? I, I pray on a regular basis that God would introduce me to people who are far from God or de-churched or unchurched. And I just pray this prayer on a regular basis. And then I just look, you know? It's like when you buy a car. Have you ever noticed this? When you buy a car, all of a sudden you see that car everywhere. It's so weird, right? It's like I've never seen this car before, but now everyone owns it, you know? Um, and so I know the kids just came in. Give me one more minute. We're almost done. Um, so I'm praying, God, show me people who are far from God. And like a year ago, there was this other guy praying, God, I need to find a church. So I'm over here praying, God, I want to find people who need a church, who are far from God, who are de-churched. And this other guy's praying, God, I need to get back to church. I really do. Things are really rough in my life. And so this is how we, you know, the show and the tell. This is a part of God. Because the, the, as you read Acts, there's going to be miracles. And there's going to be power and the Holy Spirit working. And so the Holy Spirit did this incredible thing. And I bought something from him on Facebook Marketplace. And just side note, Facebook Marketplace is my favorite missionary tool right now. I, I invite so many people to church through this. So I go to his house, and we're just looking at the weights. And so, like, you know, I, I, I'm, open, I'm opening my heart, right? I'm, I'm, I'm a person. I'm not just like, let's get this over with. There's your money. I'm out of here, right? Like, how you doing? Like, what's going on in life? And he starts to share. And it's the Holy Spirit. Have you ever noticed that people tell you more than they probably should? You know, it's like, because the Holy Spirit's in you, and they're feeling like that. Oh. You know, they walk away, and they're like, that was weird. I overshared big time. 
So he starts opening up. Like, he's never met me before. He starts talking about depths of his heart and what's going on in his life and what's going on in his marriage. And like, where? I'm like, yeah. And I'm just like speaking words of affirmation. I'm like encouraging him. I'm not like, you know, Jesus died for your sins, right? Like, I'm just like, but I'm like watching the door, right? The door's opening. I'm like, okay, you know? Like, it's the love of God. I'm compelled by the love of God. And then he made the mistake of mentioning church. And then I was like, <laughs> I'm a pastor. You know, like, no. But I was like, I was like, Hall, oh, it's so funny you say that. You know? I still say we've started a new church, even though it's been four and a half years, because it sounds cool. So I'm like, we just started a new church five years ago. And we'd love to see you there. He's like, get out. Oh, no, seriously. Like, I'm a pastor. We started just like, And he's like freaking out. I'm like, what is happening? He's like, you just don't understand. Like I've been, I was like just, I, I, told, I told my wife today that I'm gonna find a church this weekend. It's been months. I told her today. He was like, this is God. <laughs> like, like when they say it and you don't have to, it's like, this is actually pretty easy, honestly, right? You know, like, okay, yeah, yeah, it's God. Yeah, yeah, keep going. I like where you're going with this, right? Yeah, uh-huh. And so he comes to our church now. And God is working powerfully in his life. He's not here today or else I'd point him out. But <laughs> God's working powerfully in his life. Like it's the, somewhere in there is when you guys all go like, amen. Yeah, you're like, you're like, heck yeah. I mean, come on. We're like at a baseball game. I love baseball for some reason. And they hit a home run. And we're like, home run, right? Like, man with stick hits ball far. Woo, right? But I just told you a story about how the Holy Spirit just saved some guy's life. And you're like, let's be polite. It's church, right? Like, heck yeah. Come on. That guy's life just, we're not clapping for me, right? But I'm not ashamed of the power of the gospel because it's the power for that guy to find salvation in Jesus Christ which is why I'm alive. And guess what? It's why you're alive. You're not just a member of a church. If that's what you're looking for, probably look for a different one because I'm not going to let you do that. We're not looking for that here. We're looking to change your life so you can change other people's lives so we can change our community so maybe if we all do it together, we can change the world. That's what this whole thing's about. He said, go change the world with the kingdom of God, good news, heaven on earth. That's what you're signed up for. If you're like, well, you know, I just, you know, all the excuses. I have a slide of excuses, but I ran out of time. I apologize. But trust me, I defeated them all. So just, if you have an excuse, just say, oh, Christian defeated it. Okay. Yes? Are you with me? This is what we're going to talk about for the next six, seven weeks. We're going to talk about different ways that this speaks to our lives today. You read the book of Acts. It's not just a history of, wow, that would have been fun. It's a preview of what we're supposed to be doing now. Let's stand together and we're just gonna close with a word of prayer. God, I thank you so much that you are on our side in this, God. You said, go make, all, make disciples of all nations and I will be with you. God, I thank you, Jesus, that we are not just signing up for a purposeless religious experience, but that we are part of a movement of God on the earth. I thank you that every one of us has a part to play. God, would you begin to stir us up? Would you begin to stir us up?
to think about the fact that we're on a mission, that we're not on a sales call, that we're not trying to push something onto people that they don't actually want, but that we're pushing someone who they need and who loves them dearly. God, excite us about being on a mission. Break us of that thought that we're on a sales call. Deliver us of kind of those old ways of thinking. Give us fresh eyes to read the book of Acts together this summer. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.